got it. We are being told okay. that we are robotic. I'm sorry. Does anybody else got a robot lady telling them the recordings and process or just me? It's all of us for sure. <laughs> okay, no, because Mary wasn't getting it. She says she thinks I'm crazy. I don't no. get it. I, I don't get this message. You're, lu- you're lucky. You know, it's, it's very, oh my <laughs> it's God. pretty robotic. <laughs> you don't get no i don't get the robot lady i swear every time drew is like oh yes robot lady and i'm like who are you talking to <laughs> all this time she thought i was just making us some fiction anyways we're getting so off topic already oh. welcome to carrying funny. wayward a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in i'm drew shulman and i'm marie vigourou In this episode, we're doing a recap of Supernatural Season 2 through the theme of family. Let's get this show on the road. One of these days, the next segment here will be us, like, actually pulling out instruments and, like, rocking out. But um, I can't play an instrument, so I don't know how we're going to do that. Oh, my goodness. No, I can't play instruments either. But... You, well, from what I understand, the voice is an instrument and it would be time for you to use yours to do your recap. Look at this smooth transition. <laughs> so I think you challenged me to three minutes, which I yeah, think three is minutes. fair. Yeah, it's a and, season uh, recap. So we figured that like three minutes sounds like a good idea. I'm ready. I, I may have done a little bit of pre-planning to make sure I was ready for it, but uh, That's you want to count fine. me down? Of course. Three Two, one, go. So we open the season up with Dean being dead, apparently, and John making a deal, plus losing them the Colt and losing them a John. And they're back at the their regular hunting game. Dean now with a terrible secret and Sam kind of more uh, gung-ho to go after things. And what do we face this season? Ahem. First, the Reaper in a hospital gown, then a spook dressed as a clown, saves some vamps who chose not to kill, now a zombie raised against her will. Then it's Obi-Wan and his evil twin, followed by H.H. Holmes, who got boxed in. Is it a specter? Nope, just a corrupt cop. Then a deal at the crossroads. They must stop. A disease from demons, for some reason, and Gordon is back, declaring it's Sam's season. Little ghost who needs his sister to fill the void, and a bank robin shapeshifter, not a mandroid. A spirit who thinks he's doing God's work. Meg is back for Sam, making him go berserk. A trickster god fooled them all and got away. Next, a double ghost. Kind of a happy ending, yay? Werewolves, be not so hairy, but made us all really cry. Followed by an upset writer who summoned ghosts. He wasn't a very nice guy. A prison nurse who thought she was right. And a dream-crafting djinn who said goodnight. Finally, Yellow Eyes and his soldier Jake, both shot dead before daybreak. And the end of the season, we have Joe becoming a hunter full-time officially, even though Ellen's not really a big fan of it. More demon activity, including a new possible child of yellow eyes. Dean reveals John told him that he may have to kill Sam. Sam gets moody and runs off. Dean promises that he'll kill him, I guess. Doesn't really matter because, well, Sam gets killed uh, in their own version of the Hunger Games, Demon Soldier Edition. Dean brings him back by making a crossroads deal, and they finally kill yellow eyes, avenging their mom. Time. One minute and 10 seconds left. And this was delightful. <laughs> delightful. Oh my God. Wow. I'm very proud of my writing for that one. <laughs> you get a slow clap. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'll accept it. 
I now fear I put wow. myself in a loop where I have to one-up myself every season now with this. You have set the bar very high, sir. Very high. <laughs> Let's just say I'm really worried for what season 15 is going to make me do. <laughs> we There will be costumes. <laughs> I'm thinking like dream ballet. <laughs> A full opera. Yes, absolutely. A full opera. I agree. Um, Okay. Did I miss anything in the recap? (laughs) Honestly, I think I was too busy, like, being enchanted by the rhymes. I just, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if you missed anything, frankly. Like, You did well, so I, well. I, I, I will make, I will say I did cheat a little bit. The rhymes were pre-written. <laughs> I'm That's, not that good on the spot. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. I loved it. I loved it. Oh, I'm glad. I'm um, glad. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the long game, um, instead of the long game this week, uh, because, you know, this is a recap, uh, we thought that we could reflect a little bit on what we've gone through over, like, this season. Um, and we're going to personal long game. Yeah. A little personal long game. So let's actually start with Drew. So like, if you look back on like our journey through season two, like what comes up for you? So for me, season two really kind of solidified, uh, I, I guess over the hump is kind of the best way to put it. Like season one was very much, we're new at this. We're learning, we're figuring things out. We're finding our groove mm-hmm. season two. I, I feel like I'm tooting our own horn, but like it really felt like a well-oiled machine. We were a lot more scheduled. We knew what we were getting into. Uh, and I mean that both from like a production level, like we as a team knew our strengths, knew our goals, knew what we were doing, but also the show was kind of more in its own swing. So it was easier to kind of ride along. There wasn't like introducing this or introducing that or getting the swing of things or learning how things work. Like we have a world we know, and we have a product we know how to put together. Mm-hmm. No, honestly, like I, I totally feel that. And like, that's, that's really how I feel too. Like going through season two, although like the way that I would describe it was more like, it would be more of a marathon. Like, I don't know, you know, like when you run a marathon, like there's this moment of adaptation where you're like, getting into your groove. And I feel like that's what season two was. Season one, we were kind of like chicken without a head in the sense that like, I don't think that we really understood what we were undertaking. (laughs) And like season two kind of made that real, right? Because season one, like everything, for me anyway, everything was new, like podcasting, the supernatural fandom, like running social media more like professionally, um, engaging with listeners, like literally everything was new. So it felt like we kind of knew what we were doing, but we really had no clue what we were doing, or at least that's how I felt. No, Um, I agree. And I think that's what the biggest change season two was, was that kind of began to shift. Yes, exactly. Like, like you said, we were more established, like better oiled machine. Like we have, we have deadlines now, like weekly deadlines for things. So like, that's pretty exciting. Um, you know, like I'm getting much more comfortable with the idea of podcasting and social media and our TikTok is doing really well. Like, so. Oh, damn girl, your, your TikTok game is off the charts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so like, we're not like, if I can say like, if I can use the marathon uh, analogy, like we're not running our first mile, like we're getting in marathon mode. Um, 
yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. Guess season two, basically I'm grateful for season two. Like, you know, we're talking about family today and like, this is our own little found family and I'm just really, really grateful for it. Mm-hmm. No, it truly it's, it's, I think one of the biggest changes really is going into season two with people who care about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's one absolutely. thing to be like, we're going to do this. It's for us. If anyone like, you know gets into it, they'll jump along. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. But then season two, we really like, you all showed up for us. You're showing up for us every day on the discord, on Twitter, on TikTok. Yeah. Shall we move on to story time? Let's hop on in. Yeah. Okay. So, um, as we did last season, uh, we'll be looking through the season as a whole, uh, for this story time. And again, Mm -hmm. through the theme of family and specifically like how the meaning of family for Sam and Dean kind of evolves through the season. So, um, let's get started with Sam. Yeah. Um, because I would like to break all of your hearts, basically. <laughs> that is my goal tonight. Um, so if we take like a, a really quick step back for Sam, like he he came off of season one having lost like the life that he thought he was going to live, right? He lost his friends, he lost um, his spot in school, he lost Jess. He basically lost all of his found family that he had been working on for the past like four years. So he's living a lot of grief. And then season two starts off with the loss of his father. So another kind of grief compounded onto that, right? And throughout the season, like he's having a lot of trouble finding his place in the world, right? Like Dean, who's his only blood family left, um, he's shutting him out entirely, especially at the beginning of the season, because of his own very valid reasons, right? Like I'm not criticizing Dean for it, but I'm just saying that this does have an impact on Sam. And then he's also having some trouble connecting with like Ash, Ellen and Joe because he doesn't want to expose his psychic abilities. So like it kind of, he's he's in a really tough spot in terms of like building relationships. Um, you know, he connects with Madison and then he has to kill her. And through all of this, like he's kind of longing to find like the other special children, right? And like, as he finds them, he's also finding out that they're turning into killers. And then at the end, they all die. Like, Sam, you know, he just, now on top of it all, he has to get ready to lose Dean in a year. So for Sam, like, I feel like, family is just one big ball of grief this season. Like there is just no, he doesn't catch a break at all. Um, So for found family or blood family, it's all grief, all grief for him. Yeah. Sam really is just in a really rough spot this season. Like every time you think there's like a little bit of hope, like every character that has even like a moment of like, Oh, we could be friends dead missing becomes a murderer is a werewolf uh i mean it just there 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 is no happy ending for sam in any of his relationships this season um and even like his ultimate goal this season i mean really to go real macro on this they finally avenge their mother they avenge jess they avenge Mm -hmm. john technically even i guess 
they they kill yellow eyes and mm-hmm. even in doing so the only thing he has to show for it now is his brother's got a ticking time before he's gone um and the few people in his life who still see him as family who he still has trouble connecting to and given and- the fact that where the season ends him, I feel like the connecting to people is going to be even harder in season three. Oh, for sure. And I mean, like he's also turned into what he didn't want to turn, right? He, mm-hmm. he did not want to be a killer. Like that was the whole point of season two, you know, that this whole like preemptive redemption and like not wanting, you know, everybody can turn into a killer. Like, and this happens to him and this is what he didn't want to see happening. And it's just, I don't know. Like it, it, it's weird because I, I don't think I realized like how bad it got for Sam this season, but it just did. Yeah, I feel like episode to episode, when I was going through my notes, like it never really felt like, ooh, like this is a tough one minus a few very obvious ones. Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you really like zoom out and look at everything, I feel like Dean was better off this season in the relationship game than Sam was, which is weird because Sam's the one who was able to connect to people usually. I know. I know. Like it's such a huge shift from season one. Like you even go back to think like towards the end of the season, especially the two part finale, when he gets to meet other special people like him, there's some sort of bond a little bit, like even him and Jake kind of have a moment, which Mm -hmm. of course is all of like 30 seconds. Yeah. But you look back at the times like when he first met Andy and like he was ready to kill Andy and Dean was the one who had to say like, you know, stop, make a friend, shut up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, you know, he wasn't in the right headspace to make, to build relationships. And whenever he tried, it just ended in heartbreak. Is there anything you want to bring up for Sam? I mean, I think I've said my piece, but I, I just feel like even the start of the season, something that I think, I believe was a point you brought up in the initial episode of um, Everybody Loves a Clown, mm-hmm. which is the moment where he kind of like alludes to not going back to school. I know. And I feel like that was the moment that was the like official shift in Sam's character from season one to season two from mm-hmm. like sweet, innocent little Sam who is so kind and loving and, you know, just wants to save the day and go back to a peaceful life to Hunter Sam who has trouble making relationships and is kind of a loner and is just there to get his vengeance and, you know, hunt. I would, I mean, I would also say that like, especially now that he's wanted by the FBI, you know, he can't go back to law school, right? Probably like not. that just doesn't happen when you're like a wanted criminal like or a suspected criminal or whatever you know like so so there's grief there too for him Mm -hmm. oh sam and it's the fact that he doesn't even react to it like at no point do you ever have a moment of him going like oh there goes my future he's like are you written it off which is even sadder that's very true actually let's track that because we don't see him openly grieve for that Hmm. i don't think he's going to i mean maybe let's let's Again, I can't speak ahead of the series. Unlike most of you, I'm a bit in the dark going forward. But I really feel like this character development of Sam, he's kind of written off the going back to normalness. Mm. Which is sad. Okay, so I know, I know, I know. What about about family, 
for Dean. And of course, for Dean, we're going to try to keep in mind that he's a queer character here. Like, what about, what, what do you, what does family mean to Dean and how does that evolve in season two for you? I feel like it almost goes the other way. I feel like season one, Dean was very antisocial and not connecting. Mm-hmm. And this season, Dean was a lot more surprisingly compared to Sam, at least understanding. And again, if we were going like 100%, he knows he's bi, we know he's bi. He is still constantly living in this like bubble of, I guess, John's shadow. He can't really get out from underneath it. Mm-hmm. So he's always still playing the coy card and kind of hiding. So when people like Joe, like actively try to play a role in his life, he has to almost adopt them as family for the sake of keeping them safe from the things out there that he is afraid of in himself. Yeah. And I also feel like, uh, unfortunately, like the best connection that he makes this season is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's seeing his comparison to Gordon. I mean, it's this person who, you know, goes so far as to show him like, what it's like to be a hunter who is well loved and like just to see that twist and turn this season seeing gordon go from being the that's what i want to be to being like that's the worst thing ever and that's what i could have been you know when people look at me disapprovingly because i don't fit their standard there it is Hmm. i have so many thoughts about that drew because please go <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about like Gordon and 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 how, you know, and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at with what I got from Dean this season because um I feel like for Dean his relation like you said, his relationship to family is different from Sam's in this season. Like, you know, um for Sam it was grief whereas for Dean like he spends again like the first half of the season he spends almost in silence and he's like shut shut out. He's shutting out everybody. He's in isolation. And the Mm -hmm. other half of it is in denial that Sam could ever become quote unquote evil. Right. So it's silence and then denial. And honestly, if that is not quintessentially queer, then I really don't know what is. Um, and that's kind of both funny and sad. Um, anyway, how, and like, how does that relate to family? I guess. Well, so the person who forces him into silence is John like his own dad, um, through like his deathbed confession. Like he basically coerces him into keeping this like huge secret from Sam, a secret that he never even asked for. Right. Like he wasn't like, Oh, can you please tell me he was like assaulted with the secret. Right. Um, obviously like this is also making me think about how Dean must've kept like his queer identity secret because of John also for so many years, and we like, and see what happens to him during that time, during that first half of the season. Like he gets angry, he gets reckless, and he drinks. And those are all things that we really need to keep in mind for future seasons. Um, but like you said, Dean does try to form some relationships this season. You know, he sees Gordon as a John surrogate, like you said, and that mm-hmm. doesn't work out very well. Um, no. I mean, Gordon and John seem to have more in common every time we see them, unfortunately. Mm, yes <laughs> um yes let's let's put a pin in that um 
he does build a relationship with Joe, but there's some challenges there too, right? Because she has feelings for him that he cannot reciprocate. By the way, short, tiny detour, but this is what unrequited love looks like. Subtweet. Moving on. <laughs> and then there's Ellen who just cannot separate Dean from John, you know? Mm-hmm. So like basically in season two, like Dean is trying to build those relationships and trying to build found family for himself. And it's, it's, it's challenging at the very least. No, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's, and let's go back to Joe for a second. I feel like I harped on Gordon a little bit, but Joe is just one of those relationships where, I fully believe Dean gets where Joe is coming from and Mm -hmm. doesn't have the heart to break her heart by saying what he has to say. He is very much unsure how to do this because I don't think he's ever been in a scenario where he's been allowed to turn someone down because I feel like in the before times, this would have been like a, I guess I gotta get her drunk and take her home because that's what dad would want because that's what men do. And this is his first time that he's able to like see this relationship flourish and go like, I don't want to ruin this by sleeping with her. Like this is, we're friends. Mm-hmm. This is good. And whether it's through like that trope of like not figuring it out because men are dumb or the more realistic one is he totally knows and just doesn't know how to break that breach the subject with her. Mm-hmm. But it does start a relationship that I do hope we get to see more of. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, the relationship is there. It's just that mm-hmm. it has its own challenges, like every relationship. It's just that that particular challenge is like difficult to get over, I guess, especially especially for Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is our favorite Bobby, the best dad, the better the John, <laughs> the one who should have taken care of those boys. Oh. oh. The the, the yeah. head cannons I have written about what should have happened with those two with the, with those three. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about Bobby in um, All Hell Breaks Loose one and two. So mm-hmm. I mean that we can always refer to that. But like we just we love Bobby, Bobby, and 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 as we know, Bobby will be part of their lives for for some time, right? So we know that this is good and solid found family. Yeah, it's it's honestly like I'm I'm I think my biggest fear is we lose Bobby at some point. Like that is the character death I am not ready for. And mm-hmm. like part of me wants the warning, part of me knows I can't have it. And I will mm-hmm. forever be nervous whenever someone tells me, oh, look out for an episode, because I will assume that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. But no, he is just so good. And like speaking of Bobby, because that's something that kind of comes back also throughout the season. It's like truth telling in family, right? Like, and, and that was, the tone was set for that in, in my time of dying where like John lies to Sam and then Bobby tells him the truth. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, John forcing Dean into silence. Like we, so we, we, there's this idea. And what I find interesting is that you and I have both talked about truth telling as like very important, but also Mm -hmm. something that's difficult and something that sometimes like in order to spare somebody's feelings that you love, like you are going to lie to them. So like, there's, there's just like those kind of like two conflicting ideas about whether or not you should tell the truth or lie uh, to people you love that kind of comes back. It's a question that's asked because I don't know. I don't know if the show truly answers it. 
Um, no, I don't know if you have entire, any thoughts about that. I was going to say, yeah, throughout this entire season, it really seems to be this point, both with lies and even people's actions of this doing the right thing by doing something wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the lawyer who lies to the, uh, to um, the FBI about the Henriksen. What, uh, Henriksen. Thank you. And why his name yeah. was alluding me there <laughs> um, to even some of the spirits and they think they're, you know, doing God's work or the right thing, yeah. but they're still murdering. It, mm-hmm. it kind of brings up this whole point of our actions that are clearly bad, always for bad reasons and vice versa. Can good actions be used for evil, i.e. all of Gordon's character? Yeah, those are, I mean, those are questions that frankly, like the show is trying, the, the show is asking this. Like, I'm not sure yeah. that it gives us the answers um, or that it gives us its answers because I'm not sure that there's truth there. But anyway. I think that wraps up story time for me pretty well. Any yeah. last thoughts before we uh, mosey on over to our next section? No, we can mosey. Let's head over to critical time. Okay. All right. So would you like to get us started? Sure. Thank you. So again, if we're looking at season two as a whole, for me, like one thing that's starting to emerge, and it's a question that I have, it's a genuine question that I have, and I don't have an answer. Um, so if anybody has like thoughts or, or comments about that, please please let me know because I don't know how I feel about it. So one thing that's kind of starting to emerge is like the ebb and flow of like how John is discussed and portrayed. So we've talked about this in some of our episodes, but we talked about it mostly in story time. So basically like we found in-universe ways of explaining it, but we've never really talked about it critically. And today that's what I'd like to do because in some episodes... John is discussed very positively. You know, he's a great hunter. He's a hero. Whereas in others, and I'm specifically thinking uh, of Bloodlust and Nightshifter here, right? Like those are the, the ones where he's like a good guy or like presented as a good guy. But mm-hmm. then in other episodes, or even in the same episode, sometimes we're hearing about things that John did that are absolutely horrifying and again, here I'm thinking about Bloodlust, where we learned that John made Dean kill his first werewolf when he was a teenager, you know, and again, Night Shifter, when Henriksen lists off like all the stuff that John did to the boys, like to basically raise them like militia. Um, I'm also thinking about playthings when Dean, John, uh, Dean calls John an ass for having done what he did to them, for having parentified them the way that he did. And the reason that I bring this up is because I wonder what was the intention in the writer's room? So of course, like we can't figure that out, but I wonder because I feel like we often like look at John through our 2021 goggles, like today's uh, values. And we know that like he's done a lot of harm because of what we know today. And we can recognize that in part because of a lot of the therapy work that our generation seems to have done um, a lot more of than our parents anyway. And, <laughs> yep. and so, right. And so like, I'm wondering like 14 or 15 years ago in 2006, 2007, like how did people see John 
and how you know what was what was the intention of like were they trying to portray him as a good guy were they trying to portray him as a terrible father because i don't know you know like i'm not sure that it would have been that clear to audiences back then how much harm john had done and like yeah like i i like i said i'm not looking for answers but i'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts about this are I feel like this is one of those things that we've kind of gone back and forth on a few times of just sort of like media has evolved, like the way certain jokes were okay because no one was really speaking out against them. Mm -hmm. This falls in that same category in my mind of writing a father who was strict to the point of nearly being abusive when you really get down to the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. But without saying it, just means they had a rough upbringing or they really had to fend for themselves or look how strong they were because they had a strong role model. And I think it falls, it comes from that same place of boys will be boys or like the male gaze. You have these boys being raised by a very manly man doing very manly, assumed manly things. And, you know, we look at it back then and you see like, oh, it's just, a strict father being strict with his kids. You don't then you then need the lens of 2020 looking back and looking at the, the world we've grown up in the ability to communicate with each other and realize like, Hey, that wasn't all right. That was not a cool thing to be doing. That's bad. Those poor kids, they were traumatized. Yeah. And I don't think it was. And I still think there are times when the writers do maybe clash over that because it wasn't as set in stone. As we look back at it, like I feel like this is one of those things where like there was a bit of like creative gray area around like how to portray John, but I think those who portrayed him in this military upbringing light didn't really realize the harm he was doing to them and how it would affect people in reality who have grown up that way. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Rochelle, do we have time to read a comment? Sorry, I have to unmute myself, but yes, you do have time <laughs> okay. to read, read a comment. You've got five minutes left on this segment. <laughs> okay, great. Yay, yay, yay. Okay, she, Rochelle is our timekeeper, and uh, we are very thankful because that way we don't have to do it for ourselves. <laughs> I'm bad at it, so you wouldn't want me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to read a comment from, uh, from a listener right now. So I definitely always hated John because I knew he was a horrible father, but I hate him a lot more now that I'm older and understand the trauma he inflicted on the boys. I do understand that he himself had some trauma from Mary, but at some point you need to deal with that trauma for your kids, which he never did. And I think that that is truly how I feel. So like I wasn't watching Supernatural 15 years ago, so I can't really speak to how I would have felt or felt about John, but I know that the situation that I was in, I was certainly not have seen him as badly as I do today um, for a lot of reasons. But I think that that's a really important point, right? Like he I do see John as a traumatized man. And I know that unhealed trauma is probably like the most destructive thing you can have in your life. And we are going to talk about that in future seasons because we see that we see it in action. Um, but I, I agree. I think that at some point, like there has to be some sort of facing that trauma and just kind of like 
moving on from it or healing from it as much as you can, obviously, because some of it can't be healed and, or can't be moved on from, but to be a better person for the people who love you and who depend on you. And I think, I think that that's a very important point. So thank you so much. Yeah. I, 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 again, I only have the point of view of now looking back, but I have consumed so much media over the years for so many personal and for study that I, I get where you're coming from, but you're right. Like as you, as you grow as a person and look at this, it only gets harder to see because you start to see the flaws and the reality is I, I, I think you were saying was right. Going back 15 years ago, I don't think it would have been seen the same way because that was considered normal. Like mm. if I can pull from personal experience ever so slightly, I, male presenting grew up male, male at birth, everything like that. I had a father who, again, super close to love, great father, but was very much the male man, boys are mm. boys, to the point where if I put on chapstick, I was scolded because it looks feminine. Like, that mm. was just a thing where it was like, oh, you're having your glossy lips, people will think you're gay. And it's like, that was a thing my father was worried about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, clearly he's in his own way evolved i've come out pan and he's totally accepting like great we've progressed but that was what it was you know mm -hmm. the same way john would have looked at dean coming out and been like hell no no son of mine is gonna be a fairy and would have insulted him it would have made him go hunt two nuns as we've clearly covered in the past i know <sighs> Do you want to read the other comment, Drew? Like, let's let's take this from our from our community segment, Rochelle. In terms of time, is that okay? <laughs> you guys, <laughs> you folks, it's okay. We're this terrible, but you love us. Guys is gender neutral in this case. So, Drew, <laughs> can you read? Can you read the other comment? Yeah. So Nell says, I think there was still this idea that dads who put in the bare minimum of effort are these great heroes. There's the idea that moms are parents. And dads can babysit sometimes. So in the early 2000s, we had the single dad doing his best for these boys. The he's trying his best, but dads aren't natural parents mentality, which we have moved away from. Oh, my God. What a great point. I, I like. Again, I will often commend Mary for being a single mother and doing everything she does and how impressed I am by her and how she deserves applause on a daily basis. But that is regardless of your gender. That is because you are a single parent doing your best. I think a man in the same position should get the same amount of credit and should not be treated differently or better because men aren't natural parents. That is such a BS thing that like, I'm glad we're getting away from. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. I still feel like is weirdly commonplace in today's society. And it is so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, Sorry. I, again, no, 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 you're absolutely right, Drew. And I mean, I, I, you know, people sometimes say, oh, you're so brave to be doing this on your own. And at the same time, I'm like a lot of the moms I know de facto are single parents because their spouse is not as involved as they are. They are a secondary parent rather than an actual parent. And so I think that there are a lot more single parents out there than we, than we actually think. That's that's just me. That's my my reading of it. Um, but I I also agree with the comment. Like it's, it's kind of easy to say like, oh, he's really trying his best. Like, but did he? But did he really? You know, 
uh, is yeah, my question. No. Yeah. This is a safe okay, you know space what? for John Hate. <laughs> <laughs> this is always a space for John Hate. I was tagged today in a uh, in a John Hate comment, and I was like, "Yes, I am here for it." <laughs> <laughs> People know our brand. Yes. Dean's by Sam. Note thinks he's a know-it-all, and John was a terrible dad, and Bobby was a better dad. Yeah, there you go. Words to us. live by. Let's go to the crossroads. Yes, let's hop on down. Amazing. Okay. May I uh, get started this time? Of course. Go ahead. Okay, I have to go back and check what I did last season. I actually kind of forgot. I had to go back and look. Uh, do note, we will be doing a poll again this time. Uh, I believe with some more options, That's but true. same general rule. If one of us does win, the loser has to buy the winner a coffee or a tea latte, whatever we end up with. Um, yeah, so I think season two kind of delivered on what it was I wanted from season one, which was mm-hmm. less of this set up like build the world but don't like shoehorn us like don't give us an entire episode explaining the rules of something have your adventure and sprinkle in the lore and the explanation along the way and i think season two my voice is cracking here i think season two did a much better job i think my crossroads deal from season one of ramp things up a bit great my problem i think season two may have ramped things up too much to the point where they kind of left themselves at a weird dead end like I feel like season two was written to basically end the series like to end the arc like there's no stakes right now like I kind of get that yes we I've put two and two together season three is gonna be the let's save Dean from the crossroads demon before his one year is up but Mm -hmm. I think like Breaking a deal with a you know, demon, which we've already done, versus avenging our entire family and everyone we love who's been murdered and solving the mystery of these ch- special children. Like, I'm assuming more will happen. We do have 13 more seasons to explore, but I feel like you could have maybe set up season three with a bit more of a, like, cliffhanger. I don't want to say cliffhanger. I think it's kind of cheesy to end on a cliffhanger, but at least more of, like, a setup. I, I honestly, like if I could put the writer hat on for a second for this one, I would give up the happily ever after ending we got at the end of season two. And I would have had the brothers fight about Dean's choice, split up and start season three separate and have to find their way back together. Okay. I want um, chaos. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you chose violence. For violence. once, it's not me. <laughs> violence. Violence. Um... Okay. And yours? I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> um, so just as a quick response, I I I saw, I can't remember. Oh yes. Oh yes. I was reading an interview with Eric Kripke not too long ago. And I I will try to find the source of it and we'll try to link it when we post all of this. Um, mm-hmm. but he was basically saying that like he they didn't know if they were going to get renewed so with season two like after season two so what you're saying about it kind of like tying up nicely i think that's correct i think that they were trying to find a way to kind of tie things up nicely at the end of season two and um you know i think that choices were made afterwards once they were renewed in order to be able to keep on going right so like 
keeping Sam alive and that kind of stuff, like, or bringing him back, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, Chester motto, so, don't stay dead. <laughs> yes. Um, do you want to hear mine? I do want to hear yours. Yes. Okay. Um, so last season, uh, I made a very big deal uh, that basically affected the whole series, right? Like I, I went very macro, but this season I'm going to go like as micro as can be. And okay. I will make a deal that will have almost zero consequences. So, you know, tiny, tiny. I wish that the writers had given Sam a moment of happiness that wasn't immediately followed by pure heartbreak. Just one moment, one small thing, right? Like Dean gets Hollywood Babylon. What does Sam get? Heart. Oh, that's so unfair. Oh, that's so unfair. Um, No, you can't compare those two. (laughs) And the thing is, I feel like this, and I will say this, okay? I will say this, because this has to come at a price. And the price is that we have to find out what makes Sam happy And at this point in the series, I'm not sure that even Sam knows what makes Sam happy. Oh, I hate it. Sam gets drunk. Sam does get drunk, but that's not happiness. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Even drunk Sam, as funny as drunk Sam was, is like depressed drunk Sam. Drunk Sam Sam sassy Sam, and he was depressed. You're right. Oh, come on. You know, if we were at a party and they were both there, they were both drunk, Dean would be like the life of the party because he has to be the center of attention because he has to make sure people understand who he is and he's in control of his own image. And Sam would be the one like four beers deep in the corner, waxing poetic and like quoting like some like creepy movie and like trying to be all like philosophical and then eventually break down into tears on your shoulder. Sam. And I will not tell you which of those I am at a party. (laughs) I mean, I've seen you at parties. You're fun. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen me drunk at a party. You know know I'm the dean I know. I was like, I don't, this is not, no, I just. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was everyone else the mystery. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Now they know know if they get drunk with me, they'll have a good time. Darn. (laughs) My secrets are out. Yes. (sighs) All right, so we still have about 10 minutes, right? Right, about 10 minutes to um, to read some comments or, or, or chat with you guys. So like, you know, do you guys have maybe, or do you guys, I keep saying guys, I'm so sorry. Do you folks have like um, your own Crossroads deal maybe for season two? And I see a hand raised. So Rochelle, would you like to get us started? <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, I think before I move into that, we should vote on who had better crossroads deal. Oh, wait, the poll. I I thought it was up during while we were talking. I should have uh, said something. Well, I'm going to launch it now. Okay. Okay. Sorry if I lean really close to the screen. I have not figured out if there's an easy way in Zoom to fix the font size. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Can I pick? Can I choose one? No, I can't. Oh, there seems to be a unanimous decision here. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty clear. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Okay, I'm closing it. 
Are we ready for the responses? Yep. Oh, yep. let's Go see. Ahead. <gasps> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Good for you. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, so I owe you coffee or tea, I'm which so down. actually will be my gain because I get to spend time with you. Yay! Another little date day for us. Always happy. Yeah, that's always very lovely. But uh, I'm I'm glad everyone enjoyed my crossroads deal. I thought it was um it was a really good. You're one. right. You're right. I think it's one of those ones where, like, if we're looking at it from the critical side, it's very obvious why they did what they did. But yeah. I like to make the crossroads very story driven when possible. At least I try to yeah, most times. Yeah, yeah. You got to pick a side mm-hmm. on those. And at the end of the day, like you know what I. I feel like I just sort of cap up. Like I really like the end of season two. I think season two was brilliant for a lot of it. And I really mm-hmm. like the end of season two. I just, it felt too neat and tidy. And I think uh, even when we discussed it, like previously, I kind of said, like, I'd rather, I'd rather either like really tied up with a bow and then let the, tr- the, like the, the drama of everything happen, like in the season or mm-hmm. start super chaotic and let the season kind of like bring things back to a neutral game. Okay. Yeah, no, honestly, I think that it you're you're right. Like ideally, I think I would have wanted a bit more of a chaotic ending. Uh, so I agree with that. Like my chaos demon was not satisfied with that ending. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh I I'm listening, but I'm also going through the comments a little bit. And I like the fact that my description of drunk Sam is tied up with Nels perfectly. <laughs> and I do agree. Okay. I, I I'm I'm curious, Tony, because it's something I've I've seen like a lot in the fandom is early season Sam is kind of lovable and then later on people have more trouble with him and I'm I mean there's a part of me that like I love Sam he's adorable he's fun he's sweet he's kind of the innocent one up until the end of the season and he will always forever be my other Dean because of my Gilmore Girls background but I'm very intrigued to see what, what shift in Sam we get that brings this abrupt change to the fandom Mm-hmm. I'm seeing faces in the chat. I'm just like, mm, it's so hard. Okay, happen. you have no. I mean, you can imagine. Like, I'm just trying to imagine our listeners like listening to our recordings and like listening to you like giving your head cannons and your thoughts about what might happen in the future, and like, you know, either crying or screaming at you. And like, imagine having to live react to that to him while on Facetime. Like, and I'm just like. Yeah, okay. no, I always, I always say Ma- Ma- Mary has Mary has really like if you're not already watching our little post show or post show wrap up episodes, like she has really mastered the uh, not giving things away, but making it very clear there's a reaction to be had. I don't think you've ever made me go like one way or the other on something, but you've always had me go like, I'm on a nerve of some sort. Where is it going to go? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, um, I have the worst poker face, right? So like, you know, <laughs> when there's something, but I'm, I try to just like smile. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, let's start that again. If there's anything that you'd like to share, share and if you'd like to share you know uh with with your own voice that would be really lovely if you don't want to that's fine um you can either like throw it in the chat or use the raise hand function uh we can do that or if not we also have some uh some questions that we might throw out to the to the group and see what answers we get so 
Um, While we're waiting, I'm reading through a little bit, and I gotta say, yeah, I can, I can kind of see the self-righteousness of Sam becoming a problem down the road, especially mm-hmm. given what I do know about Dean's future in the series and his relationship to angels. I mm. feel like those are the wrong words to use, but you know what I meant. <laughs> uh, angel. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> um. Oh, Tony, I don't like that. That's bad. No, Dean, bad Sam. Just, just so that everybody is aware, like, you know, he makes some choices that hurt Dean in many ways. Dean's my comfort character. So anyone who hurts him is thumbs down. And uh, yeah, we will get to that. And um, again, like they both have unhealed trauma. And so like they, they just, they can become very destructive. Uh, each in their own way. And so we are going to see that. Sorry. And Kim points out that it's season six where we uh, start to dislike Sam. So I'm very intrigued to see leading up to season six and then going into season six, if I keep that in mind where that goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Rochelle first. And then after that, uh, Nell has a, seasons two cro- a season two crossroads Ooh. deal. So I'd love to hear that. Oh, I'd love to hear Nell's first, and then we can ask mine later for sure. Okay, let's do that then. Uh, Rochelle, can you unmute uh, Nell? Oh, wait, there we go. Um, oh, great. All right, so my seasons two, season two crossroads deal is Gordon. Ah, uh, yes, please tell us. I've talked about this on Twitter. I've talked about this on Discord, and I have a lot of feelings about it, but <laughs> yeah. I dislike that they make Gordon an antagonist so early on. Mm-hmm. I Oh, that is good. Would like Gordon to be played out more over the course of a season or two as sort of a a reflection of Dean a little bit of this character who is on a quest for revenge. And originally seems like a really good ally for them. He's someone they can call on and something they can rely on. But over time, his need for revenge and drive for revenge pulls him down a darker path. And this is something I want that to be a more emotional shift because I want him to be someone that the brothers rely on. And then someone who eventually his need for revenge drags him down a really dark path and they eventually need to make a choice Gordon and some vampires, maybe Um, vampires who maybe aren't doing anything wrong. They need to make this choice Mm -hmm. because I think it would make Dean. I think it would, there's this thing with Dean and revenge in the first couple of seasons where he's on this quest for revenge. That's not even really his quest for revenge. And we see it sort of pulling him in this really dark direction. And this is something, Drew, that you will see Dean struggle with throughout the whole series is is this sort of pull towards the darkness of revenge. So I would like us to see that path mirrored in Gordon's and thus Dean make a choice Mm. after seeing what happens to Gordon to conscious decision to turn away. And this would like change the whole show, I know, but oh, but yeah, totally, I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> turn away from revenge because he's seen what happens to people who get consumed by it. Uh, 
So that oh, is, that is so good. <laughs> I want, <laughs> and if I had to give something up, I think I would. I think I would give up tying up this season with a pretty bow mm-hmm. because it gets go. tied up so neatly. <laughs> and I would like, I would be okay if we had a little more mess involved with it. If we got this other, this other path, mm-hmm. because we have too many characters who are black men who become antagonists really early on. And it's fine to have black characters who are antagonists, but you also have to have some that are protagonists. Mm -hmm. And I think we need a character who you really feel some sympathy for, because I think Gordon is a character that we really could have felt some true sympathy for. Like this horrible thing happened. He got torn down this terrible path. And then we see it destroy him over time. Mm -hmm. I think, um, which is basically what happened to John, but we don't feel bad for John because we don't see John's mental state in the same way. And because I think John makes more conscious choices to make bad decisions and also neglects his children. But, um, but I'd like, that's what I want. I want Gordon to be a bigger player and I want, I want us. I like that. I really, really like that. And you're right. I feel like, I feel like the point was made with Gordon, but again, kind of like too quickly. Mm, And I think you're right. That would have paid off so much better. Even if like, even if on the smallest scale, we got like three interactions with him this season, one where he's clearly a hunter and he's good. One where there's like a questionable moral, but he's still ultimately the right. And then finally a, Oh, like you've gone off the deep end. This is not cool. You are like abusing your power type thing. I think would have made for a much better arc. And I think even extending it over a season or two. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Yeah. So I, I echo that (laughs) in the chat. Like, can we redo the poll? (laughs) Cause like, I want (laughs) to change my vote. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. I think that it also works, you know, with, trying to play for the sympathy that people may or may not feel for John. Um, Because like, you know, feeling sympathy for John is the challenging thing. Whereas feeling, you know, I think that if the story was told differently, if it was told from the point of view of John, instead of the point of view of his children, it might be easier um, to have sympathy for him. And that's, that's, that's kind of partly why. I'm a little apprehensive about the Winchesters and I don't want to start that, that conversation here, but um, I think that it would be easier to have empathy for John. If we were to look at his story specifically from his point of view, Um, um, not saying that, you know, we would, but it would be easier than if, you know, we're kidding his children that he has abused his entire life. So just putting that out there. So I think that like seeing, Gordon and rooting for him would be very confusing then for, for the viewer to kind of like put that next to like how they feel about John. So I think that that would be really great to confuse the viewer and their sympathies. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> Does anybody have anything else that they'd like to add? Because I think we are starting to close in terms of time. Yeah, I'm getting to look for Michelle. The time is running up. <laughs> uh, I, I've been Absolutely. seeing a lot of responses though to the, the the favorite episode in the chat, and I've been going through, and I yeah. I'm seeing a lot of people lean on Night Shifter, which I definitely I was having trouble picking one or the other, and yeah. Night Shifter was one of my top two. I just I love shapeshifters. I've said it. I love shapeshifters. They're so good. That's very true. I don't even know what my what my episode my favorite episode would be. Frankly, do I have one for season two? I can't even remember all of them right now. Uh, I'm, I'm using I'm using my poem to like remind me what the villains were to go back to the episodes. Oh, no, okay, no. For me, for me, oh, I don't know because there's like those real. Mm. Oh, I, mean, I know this I is know, hard. As much, <laughs> as, much as I like Sh- Night Shifter, and it's one of my favorites, I think if I had to ultimately one for this season, mm-hmm. Hollywood Babylon. Hollywood Babylon is fantastic. You know, I also loved, I loved Tall Tales so much and Houses of the Holy too. I I have rediscovered Houses of the Holy this, this time around. So yeah, there you go. And again, a phenomenal episode. And I think it's a great, like just spot on episode overall. So yeah, season two really didn't have any, uh, any real like suckers. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just got to Yes, mm. Nicole, absolutely agree. Like Hollywood, you know, like uh, Houses of the Holy post finale is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that or I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, if if we're all done, we can do our outro. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting the hint. I'm getting the hint from Rochelle's comments that uh, she wants us to do so. <laughs> Great. So let me let me read for. We're going to change our outro in in season three, but let's just finish it off the way that we started off. Season One last two. time. One last time. You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano, hosted by Drew Shulman and myself, Marie Vigourou. Thank you to our bunker patron Katira for her generous support. This week, we'd like to thank everyone who was able to make it to our live show for their participation. Thank you, guys. We love you. Um, Gender neutral guys. Uh, Help us keep the conversation going. You can send us a voice recording at carryingwayward at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok and YouTube using at carryingwayward. And leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to join our Patreon for perks and extra content. Our October live event will be a live watch of Bad Day at Black Rock on October 28th. You can use the link in all of our social media bios or go directly to patreon.com slash carryingwayward. We'll be taking a short one-week break and we'll be back on November 5th. Season 3, Episode 1, The Magnificent Seven. See you then. And carry on our wayward friends.